Congrats to our friend and Mr. Olympia champion, Big Rami, as well as the Enhanced Labs for dropping new collaboration, Whey Isolate. This new product is packed with the right macros, weighs in at three pounds, and has free shipping. Check it out at www.getenhanced.shop and use code GENIRON to save at checkout. That's getenhanced.shop and promo code G-E-N-I-R-O-N to see Big Rami's new three-pound isolate with Enhanced. Welcome to the Generation Iron Podcast, featuring the biggest names in bodybuilding, fitness, combat, and strength sports world. If you want to be a bodybuilding champion, it takes hours and hours every day of being dedicated and being passionate about it. As your boy here, Kai Green, a.k.a. Mr. Getting It Done. Tune in to the GI exclusives on the Generation Iron Airwaves. This is Vlad, and this is Generation Iron Podcast. Today's guest has been on our platform uh, quite a few times. He is an extremely important part of the business and the industry. He's a great influencer. He's been involved in many businesses in the fitness industry, and he's also a bodybuilder, of course. Uh, he's been very successful on social media, and I'm, it's very important that we talk today because in 2020, he announced that he actually overcame an addiction to painkillers. Um, it was a very difficult decision for him to actually reveal it to the world. And I wanted to, um, I had no idea about this, but I really wanted to understand, you know, what he was going through and how difficult of a situation he was really facing in his addiction. Um, he's also very open about his approach to business, um, his approach to cryptocurrency that he's dealing with right now, uh, and just all of his approach to life in general. And I'm very happy to welcome back to the show, uh, Mr. Joey Swole. So, Joey, how you been, man? I haven't seen you in a while. Last time uh, that interview was like, it was, I think it was 2019, end of 2019, before the pandemic. Before the pandemic. Are we, are we recording? Are yeah, we? yeah, we're recording, yeah. Hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> So how you how you been, man? It's been a it's been a year since we did this interview. So like, how, how you been? I've been great, man. I've been great. Uh, you know, twenty twenty was a tough year, um, but twenty twenty one has been has been great. Um, I'm very blessed, you know, put myself in a better position in a lot of ways. Been through a lot, you know. Had some had some, uh, you know, uh, had some rock bottoms in my life but you know it's all about perspective man I, I i hit some lows and allowed me to realize you know good things i need to do with my life and things that i'm blessed with like this little guy right here you want to come say hi um I oh know. i remember you move the yeah, yeah. yeah uh no but today in no joke uh, in all honesty man i am in such a great place uh, physically mentally emotionally spiritually um and i i can't you know, after what everybody's been, I mean, everybody went through a rough time with the pandemic. I mean, it's been tough on everybody uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, so, you know, uh, and a lot of people are just trying to find a way to get through everything. So I was, uh, you know, very fortunate to land back on my feet and be where I'm at today and doing good things and trying to help people. So, that's great. What was the toughest part um, about 2020 for you personally? Uh, I mean, there was a lot of things I was going through. I mean, first and foremost, not being able to see my family. Uh, that was probably the toughest. I've never gone that long uh, without seeing my mom, my dad, my brothers, my family. They're, my family's everything to me. So, uh, 
um, you know, that on top of, uh, you know, going through some stuff with business, some stuff with, you know, realizing who's really your friend, who's not your friend. Um, and I mean, I was, it was a, it was a plethora of things, man, that kind of just kind of bombarded me business stuff as well. Um, stress, uh, the, the, tell you the truth, one of the toughest things, and I, and I, you know, I don't live in LA anymore. I moved, I, I came down to live in Newport Beach now. Just the, the energy and the negative, the, the vibe of LA became so negative and so just dead. Like it was such a vibrant city and it went from being, you know, such a place that I love to be uh, to, you know, not having access to things like, you know, Gold's Gym or, uh, you know, we walk down the street with a mask on and people look at you like you're crazy if you're not wearing a mask outside to, you know, you hold the door for somebody and they're like, they don't want you to do that for it's like you know it became so negative and you know i'm a i'm a social guy i love to interact with people i love to smile at people I love to say hey how's your day yeah. and um that all was taken away you know and it really had a bad effect on me uh, i became very isolated um hi buddy uh, on top of a bunch of other stuff as well as you know just the in la being such a culturally diverse city with you know, everything in the media trying to segregate people and push people apart. Yeah. Uh, it really took hold in, in LA. It was, it was tough. And it was like, every, everywhere you looked, it was somebody upset at somebody about, you know, some political issue or, right. uh, you know, whether it was political, religious, ethnic, you know, uh, race, you know, it was, it was just everywhere you looked, it was all about hate, hate, hate. And I'm a all love kind of guy. So that definitely yeah. took a big toll on me. Um, so I left, I got, I got, I got that out of there, came down here to Newport, Newport, super laid back stuff is, mm-hmm. was always open down here. The gyms are I open. love Newport. Newport is great. Yeah. Newport is, is awesome. You know, you people down here, people don't care as much about your politics. People don't care as much about, you know, what color your skin is or who you voted for. It's just like, Hey man, mm-hmm. good people are good people. And so, um, it's just a better environment in that way. So, mm-hmm. um, do you think pandemic is it's still here obviously right in many ways but do you think we're close to being over and, and behind us or do you feel like it's still going to be lingering for years to come so this is a very sensitive subject mm-hmm. when i think pandemic i think dead bodies in the streets i think mm-hmm. you know, large numbers of increased deaths things like that um i'm not saying i'm not one of the people that's going to sit and say hey man covid isn't real uh, at all and my mom almost died from it i literally was on I'll tell you that about, about that again, but I, my mom, you know, she's somebody that's very high risk. She, cancer, emphysema, COPD, um, she's diabetic, you know, she's overweight. Uh, so when she got hit with it, she was hospitalized. And Tuesday, you know, she went to the, into the hospital Tuesday, her oxygen fell down to 40%. They had her breathing machine. The doctor came in and literally said, you're not going to make it. So I'm FaceTiming my mom who's sitting there telling me, hey, I'm not going to make it, you know, make sure you, and her, her only thing was like, listen, don't worry about me. I'm going to see my parents. I'm going to see my brother. I'm going to see my family in heaven. Take care of your father. And I'm sitting there trying to absorb that. That was very hard. Um, Wednesday, CDC comes in. Hey, we're going to try this experimental procedure. We're going to give you some monoclonal antibodies, the, the plasma transfusion, whatever it was. So they did that Wednesday. Thursday, she wakes up. She's 100% better. Friday, she goes home. Absolute miracle. So I'm not one of those people that doesn't think it's real. Um, what upsets me about the entire pandemic is we pushed this agenda of a vaccine and we pushed this agenda of social distancing. We pushed this agenda of masks, which is all fine, right? That's respectful. I have no problem with that. 
where was the push about health and exercise? Where was the push about staying away from inflammatory foods? Where was the, uh, these are some ways you can build your immune system to fight this. Uh, your vitamin D, your, you know, your vitamin C, your glutathione, your zinc, your magnesium. Why weren't we, why wasn't this front line along with, you know, some of the other prophylactics, things like that, so that upset me. Uh, I think, I mean, I, I think you see states that are now open that haven't shut down completely, that are doing just fine. Um, I think, again, uh, I'm not a person, you know, I'm not an anti-vax person, I'm not a, you know, this is all conspiracy. I don't go, you know, I'm, I'm a centrist. I stay away from all that mumbo jumbo. Um, I think that it could have been handled much better. I think people became very fearful um, when they necessarily didn't need to be. And I think it caused a lot of segregation and hate and all this social media BS. And it just, the long-term effects of this pandemic are going to be so hard on so many people from a mental perspective and children, especially, right? I've talked to a number of therapists, people that are involved with children in therapy that are so concerned about the reintegration of children, which are already introverted as it is with their phones and their apps and their lack of social, you know, skills uh, into society, which I think is going to be very tough. Um, and on human beings, I mean, for me personally, right? Like I'm getting ready to start traveling again. And it's like, I'm on a plane in over a year and a few months, man. It's like, I'm kind of have some anxiety about it. You know, I, I have anxiety issues and stuff like that. And it's given me rough anxiety. So imagine what a child that's been sitting at home told, Hey, this disease is going to kill you. It's going to kill you. It's going to kill you. You got to stay away from your friends, stay away from your family. You can't, you can't hug your grandparents. That person has to now reintegrate and go back to school, go back to imagine what that, what if we, we whatever that's going to happen, what's going to happen to children, right? That's, that's something that really worries me. Um, again, man, for somebody like me, you know, and I'm sure that you're going to lead into something about what I went through last year with the whole, you know, drug addiction and stuff like that. But not being able to see my family, not being able to hug my parents, not being able to be present with my family in the same room, that that, that was killer. To me, that was just, just about being dead in, in 2020. And for a lot of people, they've been dealing with that. They're still de dealing with that. And um, like I said, I think we're going to see some long-term fallout mentally and emotionally as far as uh you know depression anxiety and other factors uh, over time as opposed to like i said the physical effects of covid uh again i mean i there's a vaccine you want to get it that's your prerogative everyone has the right to what they want with their body uh, me personally i'm not getting the vaccine now i'll wait till there's a few rounds there's more more data stuff like that i've had covid i have antibodies i never experienced a symptom knock on wood um but again, you know, I eat healthy. I take my vitamins. You know, I'm a very healthy young man, so I'm not as prone or uh, susceptible to you know the the really harsh effects of it. Um, so I'm going to just trust my body and my immune system. But for those out there that want to get the, go ahead, man. I'm I'm also not one of those people that's like anti-vax. I'm not one who's like, oh my god, this is all conspiracy. It's like, listen, if somebody wants to get it, go ahead, right? If somebody doesn't want to, right, they're scared. Everybody has the right to either be fearful of not getting it or getting it, right? There's no long-term data. There's no, you know, uh, there, there's no research. It's not, you know, FDA approved. There's so many things that go into it. It was, you know, rushed during a pandemic, which, you know, raises some red flags for me. Um, personally, for me, I'm not going to. But if somebody does, I'm not going to attack them for it. That's their body, their choice. So that's what I'm on that. I think the mental um, health 
aspect that you brought up is very important. I feel like, you know, it's one thing, you know, if you get COVID and you deal with the symptoms and you deal with the recovery process, it's one thing, right? But if you so, you know, if you sit home and you're just paranoid 24-7 and you're scared of it, it creates a whole different types of issues for you that can be much harder to get over even, you know, dealing with actual disease. You know what I mean? Like the mind is a very powerful thing. But think about the people that haven't left their house for the past year and several months, right? Right. Uh, you know, I, I was fortunate to still have access to a gym during COVID. I was uh, fortunate to, like I said, I moved down to Newport uh, in September. Down here, things were open. Restaurants were open. People, excuse me, people were out and about. It was completely, it was so crazy to me to see the difference between LA and the 45 minutes south in Orange County. Um, so, I mean, yeah, man. I mean, listen, people need to live. You can't be afraid to live, right? That's not that's not in any way possible. People need to get back to living. They need to get back to their daily routines with caution. I completely understand that. Um, but what's more important now, as we've seen numbers decrease, we've seen people learn more and more about the disease. Now there's a vaccine. That's one. There's prophylaxis, there's treatments. There's you know ways to strengthen your immune system. Now that this stuff is starting to come to light. People need to get back to, you know, living and enjoying life because, I mean, at the end of the day, man, you only get one chance to live, right? We're not, none of us are making our life alive, right? Whether you live 50 years, 40 years, 30, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, whatever it is, you get one shot, right? So if you're going to be sitting here afraid and scared and sitting in your home for the next few years, um, you know, you can't get that time back. Although I do have this, I have been telling people and they ask my age, I don't count last year. I minus one year off my release because I feel like <laughs> I shouldn't count for anybody. Yeah. We should all be able to take a year off of our, our age. And because uh, that was nonsense. So. so in 2020, you opened up, you know, about beating your addiction, uh, painkillers. And, um, you know, you made a very touching post. Um, I think it was like a bed. You posted a picture of a bed uh, and it was soaked in sweat. And when I saw it, I was, you know, obviously, you know, I know you, but we're not friends. I don't see you every day. I have no idea what's going on behind the scenes, right? So I was so shocked to see that. And, and I remember I, I tried reaching out. I reached out to you when we spoke about it. But um, it was so shocking because, you know, obviously, you know, I'm used to seeing you on social media. You're always with a smile on, always working out, always in the gym. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, um, talk about that. And, and, you know, I have no idea how long you were dealing with that issue and how you finally beat it. And I'm sure it's going to inspire a lot of people, that story. Um, yeah, I mean, it was something I, you know, I was very iffy about posting about it. And uh, I second-guessed myself, but I said, you know what? You know, I've always tried to be very transparent in my social media. Uh, my goal through social media has never been to be popular or famous. I don't believe in any of that stuff. I don't think fame is real. I think your greatest, if, you, if you're lucky and blessed enough to have the privilege to have a large social media following, you should do something to try and help inspire others, right? Uh, mm -hmm. It's it's a privilege, but it's also, it's kind of a responsibility, right? Like you need to be, you, you should take it on yourself to try to help people in some way, whether it's through you know, words of encouragement, fitness, motivational posts. Uh, I thought this would be a great way to help out people that were going through the same thing. And to my astonishment, when I did post that, I had so many people reach out to me that were going through the same thing that I knew personally that were in the fitness and bodybuilding, like the amount of people that are dealing with painkillers and dealing with addictions that are just like that, or like I went through, 
that are in bodybuilding and fitness, like, oh my God, like the people that messaged me, you would have never known. So that was really, really cool. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, it was, it, it was a pretty horrible road, man. It was for about a year um, that I was, I, was, I was in bad shape, pretty hooked. Um, and uh, it started to get worse and worse. Uh, like I said, 2020 was a very hard year for me. I had everything, you know, everything kind of came crashing out. Like I said, between COVID, some business issues, going through, you know, some fighting with some of my, some of my old business partners, uh, from different companies, um, being so isolated. I mean, literally sitting there texting the people that I've been good to and I've had their back. And I've been there for them saying, hey, man, I, you know, I, I could use somebody to, to help me out right now. And, and them just disappearing, right? Uh, went through a breakup, which was tough to um went through you know splitting custody with my dogs which was very hard too because uh, those are my you know my kids as well as losing my best friend not seeing my family like, it was just all compounding on top of me on top of the fact that you know i have people that rely on me to feed their families right people that work for me work for my different companies that you know i got to make sure they still keep a salary so they're you know uh, being able to take care of their families so they're not so all that just kind of compounded and just fell on my shoulders on top of the, you know, the, the stress that I already had and, um, you know, taking care of the people in my life, my family, stuff like that. And it just, uh, I also have some physical injuries, you know, you, you, I have a tear in my tricep, my shoulder, two tears, in my knee, no cartilage, you know, two broken vertebrae. So I go through pain every day. Uh, I mean, it literally, you know, my, my doctor that's getting ready to do my surgery, my tricep is like, he literally asked like, how do you walk? let alone train the way you train. It's like, I just fight through it. So being introduced to, you know, painkillers was like, okay, like I feel really good. You know, this feels, this feels really, really good, which led to, um, you know, me being in a better mood, me being able to work more efficiently, me at night, you know, when I've been coaching or, or talking to people or I just, you know, it just kind of made everything go away, you know, kind of made all this stuff on top of me. just kind of seemed so distant. Right. And, Obviously, you know, one turns into two, two turns into three, five. So all of a sudden, dude, I'm popping so many pills a day. And uh, then you start to get anxiety and you start to feel like you're in prison. Like you're like, you can't leave the house because what if you, you know, what if you need one, right? Like what if you start to go through withdrawal symptoms? Like it just becomes like scary. And then you start telling yourself, oh, you know, I'll start, I'll kick it next week. I'll kick it next week. And it just, it just, com com just spirals downward. And then it gets to a point where it doesn't feel good anymore, right? You feel like you're, like I said, you're in a prison and then it goes from extreme, like feeling of good to extreme bad. So then it's like, after, after it wears off, you, you go through a very rough time, right? And then you got to keep doing yeah, I mean, during that. During, I got to the point where it was like, there were a couple of points last year. Where I was like, fuck it, man. Like I, I literally wrote notes to everybody saying, Hey, I'm just it. like, I'm done. I'm going to pop a bunch of bills and call it a day. Uh, like I was, dude, I was so, I was in such bad shape. I had such bad rock bottom last year. I was like, fuck it, man. Why live? You know, I, I literally remember one night taking like 14 fucking pills, 15 pills. All I had left and saying, fuck, if I wake up tomorrow, I do. If I don't, I don't. And I put up a post and I said, hey, you know, didn't say that explicitly. Uh, I left a note for some people and I was like, fuck it, man. Wow. You know, I was so I was so tired of everything and everyone. I was like, there's there's just. There's no reason, right? And that was, and that was, that was the drugs, man. That was, like I said, extreme happiness, like it's extremely feeling good and feeling hot, just down to the worst of the worst. 
know, just being in that prison. Um, so I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I didn't, obviously, the next day I woke up, thank God. Um, and there was one other time that I had something similar. I remember my mom called me and she started crying. And she's like, I know there's something wrong with you. And I was like, Mom, I'm fine. She's like, I know you. You're my son. And I was like, that was my wake-up call. Like, wow. Like, if my mom can see this, I need to get my shit together. So I did. So I started researching a ways to, to get off. I didn't see anybody or go to any professionally. I just did some research online. I talked to a few people that went through some similar stuff. I started to wean myself off, you know, gradually, week by week. To the point where, yeah, I mean, the withdrawal was tough. You know, they were uh, finally when you say, fuck it, man, I'm just going to kind of end it. You know, you get to the point where, you know, I'm laying in bed in a pool of sweat and I'm hot, but I'm shivering cold and, uh, you know, the headaches, the nausea, the throwing up. Um, I knew it was going to be tough. But I was like, fuck it, man. You know, if, if I don't do this now, I'm going to end up dead. So I did and uh, I got myself off. I had another buddy that reached out, uh, you know, gave me some, some pointers, my buddy Mark, uh, who had dealt with some of this stuff too. Um, and I just took accountability for myself. And you know what? The biggest thing about it that I try and tell people, and I didn't post for sympathy. I'm not looking for sympathy. I fucked up. Like, I'm an accountable person. I've gotten so much hate from people since I posted that. People tell me, you know, you're a, you're a fucking druggie. You know, you're a, go pop some more pills. Go kill yourself, all this stuff. And I get, I get messed with it every single day. Comments too. And that's okay. Like I, like I say, you know, I expected that. I expected to lose some friends. I expected to lose some respect from people. Um, but, you know, I went... 34 years without touching a sip of alcohol and 34 years without touching anything, right? And unfortunately, I had some injuries and, you know, and some pain and you get, you get prescribed a, uh, you know, a pill from a doctor and you're like, oh, well, this is safe. And all of a sudden you're fucking hooked and then you go through the spiral, you spiral down and use it for more, just, more than just physical pain. And, um, you know, you find yourself in a hole that's, that is, so fucking hard to get out of. So hard. Very emotional story, man. Um, the people in your life, I know your mom's, uh, you said your mom kind of noticed something, but the other people around you knew about this situation that you were going through? No, nobody. No, I kept, uh, like I said, I was so isolated during that time. Mm -hmm. And the people that I tried to talk to, like I said, the people that I considered to be like my close friends that were in the area that I needed to be there for me. There were to be found, man. Text left unread, calls unanswered. Uh, I was completely alone, man. Completely alone, and, and that probably made things worse. I had nobody to talk to, you know, and uh, nobody that I trusted to talk to, at least. And that was hard. It was really, really hard. Um, but again, man, you know, I'm I'm accountable for me, you know. Uh, and I, to be to be honest, I really appreciate what I went through. Um, and I don't regret having gone through it because, you know, it was a, it was a choice that I made that put me on the wrong path that ended up destroying me. And I always say, you know, I like, I like when I face things like tragedy and sadness and pain, like I don't, I don't shy away from it. Like I'm not one of those people that's like, keep your mind occupied so you don't think about it. No, it's like, I like that shit to fucking break me. Like I want that shit to be a beautiful storm that destroys every piece of me. That way, when I build myself back up. I'm that much stronger and nothing can ever fucking touch me again. There won't be another fucking day in my life I touch one of those pills. And I know there's people out there that relapse is a high rate of relapse. I know, you know, it's been what, seven, eight months now since I, you know, touched something, maybe a little bit more. Um, and I have no desire. And I, listen, I'm not trying to knock people to do, but just for me, like I went to that bottom, like I was knocked down and completely ruined and destroyed. 
and I've picked myself back up and I've built myself back up, you know, through the drip, through the gym, you know, through prayer, through meditation, through, you know, other means over the past seven, eight months, the people I have in my life now and uh, never, never again. There is not one ounce of me that desires to go on that road at all. So you mentioned going through some business issues, right? In 2020, did that lead to having more anxiety that led to um, the use of um, pills? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. When you, when you, uh, it's your income, right? When you're, when you are faced with business decisions that threaten your income and your, you know, the, the money that you have coming in, especially when that money has been used to take care of your family and put food yeah. on the table for your family. Um, yeah, that, that definitely. That was a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. You know, I don't, I'm not a fancy guy, man. I don't, uh, I don't buy super nice cars. I don't go on luxurious, luxurious vacations. I don't, you know, buy jewelry and, well, and there's nothing wrong with that for the people that do that. So I, for me, my goal has been since day one and will always be, I want to do well in a sense, you know, from a financial perspective to take care of my mom and dad, to take care of my brothers, my sister, my nieces, my nephews. I want everyone to have some type of just relief in that aspect for me, especially my parents. Like, you know, I always say, you know, people always say, you know, what's on your bucket list? And like, my bucket list is to make my parents' bucket list come true. And until I can make that happen, I'm not, I don't consider myself successful at all. And I've been working really hard on that. And I've been able to do some great things for them, but not, not there yet. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it was, uh, it was very hard. It was very hard to deal with that kind of stuff. And it was, you know, it's again, man, I'm, I'm appreciative of everything I went through because the place I'm in now, when I see people, when I talk to people and I keep my mouth shut and I listen and I see the way people are moving, I see things so much clearer now. I see what people's agenda is. I see what their, what their moves are and what they're trying to do. And my bullshit filter has become so much better uh, moving forward. And um, the people I'm aligning myself with now um, are people that are completely different than what I dealt with before. So again, in a perspective that's, you know, or the perspective I've gained from that has put me in a better position. And um, the, like I said, the people that I'm working with now and the people that I'm doing big things with now are very loyal, good people. And the problem with this world today is people don't know what loyalty means. You know, people think loyalty is a, what's, what's the quote, that loyalty is just a tattoo you get in like some Chinese writing, right, or something like that. Uh, whereas I'm old school loyalty. Like if somebody's my friend, if somebody's my partner, if somebody's my, my better half or whatever the case may be, like I'll die for that motherfucker like that. Like, I'll give you everything I have. And then some, I'll never speak behind your back. Hate that. I'll always stand up for you no matter what the, what the, what the situation is. And people just, you know, they don't, uh, it's very rare to have that today. And so, um, so people yeah. also don't understand. I always go off on tangents. I'm sorry. I'm not I a talker. I'm not a talker. No, no, I think people don't understand. Like when, when they see you, right, you're a leader, right? You take care of people. You, you, you actually, you know, stand for, for those people. You know, you stand up for them. You take care of them. So I, I don't think they understand how much certain things can affect you mentally. You know what I mean? Because you have so much pressure on you um, yeah. to, to, to provide. You know what I'm saying? And, and that can affect so many people to, to lead into anxiety and depression. Something I take a lot of pride in is uh, my integrity and my loyalty. Uh, if I'm, if I, if somebody's my friend or somebody, somebody that I consider to be like, I always tell people, uh, I know a lot of people, but I only have very few friends. So if somebody's in my life in that way, uh, I will 
do what I can to provide for them and take care of them. I always have their back. Um, but yeah, I mean, Hey, people don't see what it is that, I mean, I talk about it here and there, you know, I post stuff like when I surprised my dad with a car, my mom, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's very, people think, you know, a lot of the things you do and the moves you make are selfish and to be greedy and to do this and do that. And it's like, you only knew what my life was like or what I'm trying to accomplish. Like it's, it's, but then again, you know, there's two types of people in this world I've come to realize. There's those that see success and they become very hateful and negative and insecure and they try to tear that person down. And there's people that see success and they get motivated and they're happy for that person. Me personally, I'm the latter. If I see somebody doing well, I'm very happy for them. Very, very happy for them. I will talk them up and I get motivated to work harder. Uh, I will never understand being the former, the, you know, the insecure, hateful type. Like, it's just not me, man. I don't, have, I don't have a bone in my body that works that way. So. Uh, what advice would you give to people that are, might be watching us right now that are going through an addiction of a variety of different substances? Um, what's, what's, what's the step to make? What's the first step? You know, how, to, how to really get over it? I'm not an expert on this. You know, I mean, so I, first and foremost, I say talk to somebody in the medical field, obviously, right. as far as ability issues. Um, I didn't. Per se, I have a couple of friends in the medical field that I talked to somewhat, um, but I would tell them that you're not alone. You know that you're not alone. That you do have the, uh, you know, that you can create the strength to do so if you hold yourself accountable, um, and you start little by little. I mean, I know it's very hard. See, the thing is that people don't realize that haven't experienced it before. As you're literally, you know, it's like being in a prison. You're literally alone and just you feel like there's no way out and it's so hard to just get past that. Uh, and because of that, like you, you just, you, you sit there and you think, what's the point, right? And why should I even try to, I'm not going to be able to do it. So the first thing you have to do is take accountability and realize that you want to get out and you want to, you know, better your life or better your situation. And then, I mean, a couple of people I've taught, like I said, the way I did it was, you know, week to week, I've just started to lower the dose, take 10% less, 20% less, um, which was hard. You know, like I said, you're going to go through some, you know, it's going to be tough on your body. Uh, and just progressively, you know, make every hour, every minute, every day count, like just get to the next hour, get to the next day, to the next week, to the next month. Um, and over time, like you're going to continue to see um, some of that dissipate. Now, for some, you know, depending on what the addiction is, like, is it, should you go check into a facility? Absolutely. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. Um, I wasn't ready to do that and I didn't want to go through that because I knew one, it would take away from what I was doing as far as my life, the responsibilities I have. And um, <clears throat> again, at that point, I didn't know if I wanted to be public about stuff. I didn't want anybody to know my business. And, you know, it's very hard for me to trust people. So uh, I just kind of took things on my own. And I mean, for me, the other thing is too, is I have very strong willpower. Like, I'm a very disciplined person from my days of football, through school, through my upbringing, from my parents, you know, I had those tools, you know, that, that have made me successful in business, the gym, like that accountability and discipline isn't, you know, going to just, just disappear, right? I still had that in me. I just had to dig deep and find that again and, and make that um, come to light and, and, and get me out of that situation. Um, and the other thing is, you know, don't, one mistake I probably made is, like I said, I isolated myself and I really cut off the world and I didn't talk to anybody about what I was going through. I didn't uh, 
know who to talk to. I didn't trust anybody. It was embarrassing. That was the worst thing, man, is I felt like I let my family down by doing that because I was raised better. And I had seen so much addiction growing up and other problems within, like, my circle. And I knew better, you know, and, and I let myself kind of and, – and that, and that mentality of, like, feeling like you're disappointing people or feeling sorry for yourself, that just digs the hole deeper. So you need to do, like I said, people go through this shit. There's a reason there's an opioid crisis going on. There's a reason that people have addictions, right? Like there's, it's, they're literally putting the shit in your fucking face and saying, here, take this, take this, take this. Right. And there's, and everyone's like, okay, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's legal. Right. So I should, let's just fuck that, man. You need to, to get past that, find someone to talk to, be open, be honest with yourself, be honest with them. And that's probably your best first step. How do you deal with, um, like if you have anxiety right now, right? Like in, uh, these days, anxiety or you're worried about something, how do you deal with it in a healthy way? Um, you know, I still, yeah, no, I still get anxiety. I still get, you know, worried about things. Uh, the, tell you the truth, man, the gym has been my savior and more. Uh, I've been, ever since I got clean and stuff, uh, I've been training much harder, sometimes twice a day. I noticed your physique got even improved from, 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 from last year. I have been training, uh, like I said, twice a day sometimes. Um, I have been just very focused on that. Um, and uh, just like I said, just now I can recognize things, right? Like I, like I said before, like once, once I broke myself down and I became that shadow of who I was and I was in that horrible place, I, I, like, I literally let it destroy me. And I built myself back up over time through, you know, you know, I always say built by pain, right? Like that pain and all that, and all that stuff I went through, I let that build me back up. And now that I'm in a place where I've gone through it, that, that, that shit's never going to happen to me again. Uh, I still deal with anxiety and something. I still have the gym for that. I have other means, you know, music is a big thing. Like I love to just zone the world out, listen to music. Um, I would say one of my favorite, times a day is like 1 to 5 a.m. I'm up late almost all the time. And the reason I'm up late is because the world's quiet, right? You're not compounded or, bar or, or being hit every five seconds with a text or a call or somebody trying to get something out of you or somebody putting their bullshit on you. So for me, it's like the night I like to just relax, get some work done, maybe do some reading, uh, maybe meditate, maybe just sit outside, maybe just go for a drive and listen to music. Uh, go train, you know, but I mean, in, in all honesty, the number one thing that helped over the past six, seven, eight months has been the gym, just training like, and I, and I know that I'm probably over training and I know that, uh, you know, as far as physical, physical goals, I should be taking more time off. I should be, you know, maybe doing less sets, maybe being in the gym for less time than I am. But for me, training right now is so mental and emotional and I just love to fucking train. Like I literally, if, if I could, I would train for eight hours a day every day, if not longer. Oh. <laughs> but uh, I mean, unfortunately, can't do that. But yeah, no, I've been in the gym. I've, I've probably taken two days, three days off in the past three, four months. Like I haven't taken a day off um, because I need that right now. That's my. I walk in the gym, phones off, headphones are on. My phones are off, but the world's off. Put my music on, tape up my wrists, throw my hoodie on. You know, everybody at the gyms I'm training now are pretty cool. They kind of just let me be. 
they're not trying to like talk to me or uh, you know give a fuck who I am and all that shit. And uh, they just let me do my thing, man. I'm just in there for an hour, two hours, three hours, whatever it is. I just fucking bang out, man. I just fucking hit the weights, beat the absolute piss out of my body. And I walk out just feeling sore and tired and dripping sweat. And I'm just like, oh, fucking zen, man. That is that is the greatest feeling. Mm -hmm. do, do you find meditation to be a useful tool? Yeah, so, I mean... I, I have a combination of prayer and meditation. You know, I, I pray five to six times a day. I've never been you know, quiet about being, you know, an Irish Italian Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, I don't push my religion on other people. I don't judge people from their religion. I'm not one of those people. Uh, I'm proud to be of my faith. And I always have been. Um, I think it's very, very important every single day, whether it's 10, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, if you're in the shower, Like I have, my shower has a cool little bench on it. I have two shower heads. So I can just sit there for 10, 15 minutes and just think and talk to myself, talk to God, whatever I need to do, um, get my thoughts in line, you know, go over certain things that are upsetting me. Maybe why is that upsetting me? What, what, what should I realize from this? And just, um, and just let your mind kind of just release. Um, music is very important for that too. Um, Some people like to do it with like forms of stretching. It's like, you know, they meditate with like different types of exercise. Mm -hmm. Me, I just need like 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes maybe, where I can just kind of like, just let me just think, think, think things through and like, what is, why is this bothering me? Why am I upset about that? Why am I getting emotional about that? Like, what does this say about me? Like, don't let that change you. Like, get your mind right. You're better than this. You know, just kind of giving yourself a pep talk and, Just thinking things through, right? Try not to act impulsively. Try not to get, because I'm, you know, like I said, man, I'm a, I am a red-blooded Irish-Italian-American with my mother's temper. So sometimes you just have to just breathe and just kind of take things in and just go through the situations of your day. Be prepared. Um, you know, realize that you're, you know, you're bettering yourself and you're trying to become that better human being and just talk to yourself about it. You know, I, I don't know if that would be what most people or experts call meditation, but for me, I do. I consider it to be uh, very meditative and very helpful for me. I think it's I think it's cool that you actually opened up about the whole thing and and that you shared your process because oftentimes, you know, especially I feel like in the fitness community, right? It's like it's not cool to necessarily open up, you know, because everybody kind of hiding behind the shell. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I feel like the way you're doing it, I feel like you're going to give a lot of motivation to people to deal with their problems. You know, I, uh, before I'm a bodybuilder, I'm a human being and I have my faults. I've made mistakes. I'm not perfect by any means. I'm far from it, but I am. One thing I am proud of is I'm, I have a good heart. You know, I, I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that my parents raised me to be a good, respectful, kind person that gives love and, and help to others when I can. I try my best to make people smile. I try my best to help people, whether it's through social media, driving in my car, if I see somebody and they see me or at the store, wherever it is, I try to leave people with a good, just some laughter, some happiness, something, right? And um, through this, you know, open up about this, you know, there was a lot of people, a lot of people that reached out to me through DM and stuff. Like I said, I got a lot of hate, but that didn't even come close to the amount of people that reached out were going through the same stuff and took strength from that. And like I said, the, the number one thing is, listen, you, you know me, man. I'm like the anti-influencer influencer. I don't give a fuck how many followers you have. I don't care how big your ass is or how big your biceps are, how many abs you have. That shit don't impress me. I always say the most, you know what impresses me? Not how much you bench today. 
if you held the door for the person walking in behind, like that's shit that impresses me. What what do you do for people? What's your heart? What, what what kind of person are you when the lights and the attention isn't on you? Right, like that's the stuff that I I really like show somebody's true nature's true character. Um, so like I said, man, it was just I I always felt like I had a responsibility to help people, and uh, and I and again I knew coming out about it I was gonna get a lot of hate. I know I was gonna lose friendships, possibly lose you know some endorsements, some business opportunity. Um, people were going to be disappointed in me, you know, family, friends alike, but that's okay. You know, like I said, I'm human. I make mistakes. I fucked up, you know, uh, and there's a lot of people out there that need to realize, Hey, you're no different than these people on social media. They stop thinking that they're better than you. Stop equating your self-worth with how many likes you get or how many files you get. It's all fucking bullshit. It's all bullshit, right? You have these young women, these young men that sit there and get into, you know, uh, they get depressed, they get anxiety, they get horrible feelings of, of, of no self-worth because they don't have those abs or have that fake ass or have those fake tits or have, you know, that guy's followers or that girl's likes. Like, no, man, you need, we need to get away from that. People need to realize that being a good human being in real life is more important than any follower, any like, any fucking, you know, uh, social media app there is and um, fortunately going along with the addiction part these people that are going through stuff like that I would not I would not in a hundred million years um, say that it's not because they're dealing with problems of self-worth and self-esteem issues and stuff like that they just need to realize that hey these people you're looking at on social media they, they go through the same shit as you right they're not above you um, so if somebody like me can fight and jump out of a situation where I was down in the dumps and, and going through horrible addiction, guess what, man, you can do it too. You know, you can do it too. It just takes, you know, it just takes one choice, right? One choice, one minute, one hour, one day, make the decision and start working at it. You might fall a little bit, but what's important is you make that choice to, to get out of that prison. I want to I want to switch gears and ask you about this craze about cryptocurrency. I know you uh, <laughs> advocate. I know I know you're a believer in cryptocurrency, so I want to ask you because you talk about cryptocurrency a lot. You know you advocate for cryptocurrency. Oh, I I literally as we we're sitting here, I'm getting uh, from my investment group that I started. You know, what's, it, what's the investment group called? Daily Gains Invested. I should, I should sign up for that, man. I, I'm interested. I want to learn more about it. You should absolutely come on and, 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 and learn. I think everybody, whether they, because I'm not telling if they need to join, but everybody out there um, should at least start to learn and study what crypto is. Crypto is not just Bitcoin. It's not just Dogecoin, right? There are great assets out there that are starting to change the world from central banks to you know blockchain data to food to services to NFTs. Like there's so many things out there that are changing, changing the global finance system. Um, so you should have some knowledge in it. Mm -hmm. You should learn. I hear two things about cryptocurrency, right? Um, the first train of thought is that it's the future or is the current, um, it's the new stock market for the new generation. And we're seeing just the tip of the iceberg right now and it's gonna basically grow exponentially. It's gonna, it's gonna be the dominant force. And the second train of thought is that it's a bubble that's going to burst any minute. So be very careful in what you're doing. Um, what, what, which one? I'm assuming you believe that's going to be the next uh, stock market. I, I, listen, I'm not saying there isn't a bubble. 
I'm not saying that there's going to be retracements and corrections of 40, 50%, which you can't be scared of that. That stuff is actually pretty healthy. If you look at the bull run of 2017, I think we had seven or eight, if not nine dips of 30 to 40% more. Whereas people that are retail investors, which 2017 was mostly retail investors, whereas today you have large institutional wealth coming into the, to the, to the market. Uh, people get scared, right? People, they, oh my God, it's going to zero and they jump out and all of a sudden it bounces off and it goes back up and they buy on the way up and they end up, you know, fucking themselves. Um, I think it's the future. I think here, I think you're going to see some bumps in the road over the next couple years with regulation, with clarity, with, um, you know, weeding out certain things, uh, getting rid of some of these speculative assets that are meme coins that are going to, you know, be good for now, but in the long term, they're not going to have any real proof of work utility. Um, but there are some great assets out there that are doing great things for the world. Um, there are things out there that are just more efficient when it comes to banks and cross-border payments with, uh, you know, the bottom line. I mean, the, the bottom line is this. We're going through a pandemic, right? A lot of companies, banks and stuff, they're, they're, they want to stay in the black. And a lot of them are starting to adopt cryptocurrency and the assets that are out there for certain, you know, perspectives of their business, their banks, whatever the case may be to create more revenue, to create, you know, a better bottom line. Um, <clears throat> the problem is for most people here, especially in the U.S., is we're kind of last. Like, if you look at, you know, the market, some of the Asian markets, you know, Northern Europe, Australia, uh, you know, Africa even, Africa just jumped on the Cardano train. Like, you see, like, you see these companies that have been moving forward, and we're sitting here, you know, still, still trying to figure out what it is, and we're printing money, right? You know, if you have... Fiat, if you have money sitting in the bank every year, you're losing what two, three, up to eight uh, percent. Whereas with cryptocurrency, you are it's a it's an asset that appreciates, right? You can literally hold your fiat in USDC or USDT, have it appreciate over time. I will say this: I've been into crypto for about a year, a little over a year, and I've watched probably a thousand to two hundred hours of videos. I've studied, I've read. The people that I started this group with. They have been doing this for five, six, seven years. These guys are the ones that taught me everything. Like they know, I know one hundredth of what they know. So they're the ones that are running this group. I'm simply telling people to come join to be alongside me so they can learn from these guys. Um, but I still do my due diligence. I still study it. I'm, it's very fun. It's very fascinating um, sure. to see where it's. You know, it's it keeps getting. Everyone keeps calling it the fourth industrial revolution. Right? It's kind of like you know people people it's like the online stocks of the early 2000s right you have like if you go a couple years back you had morgan stanley jp morgan goldman sachs all saying oh bitcoin is bs all that crypto stuff it's all nonsense it's going to zero and those are the same guys that are buying it all up today. <laughs> what does that tell you right? true, or the media tells you not to buy something more than likely seven eight nine times out of ten you should buy that asset or put a little bit of money into it the other thing is this is you know if you're investing in anything, stock market, crypto, uh, whatever the case may be, you should never put money in that you're not willing to lose, right? There's always a chance you're going to mm -hmm. lose money. Um, but if you do your homework, if you don't get emotional, if you study, like I said, the use case of certain assets in the crypto market, you don't buy a large green candle. That's the thing. I get so, like, one of the number one questions people ask or things that people do is, oh my God, dude, that coin's up 250%. Should I buy no, why would you buy something when it's going crazy up? Wait till it has a dip or a correction. Every every asset is always going to have some type of correction, whether it's 15%, 30%, 40%. Always wait for that dip, and that's when you want to jump in. Something as simple as that, man.
are, are you know, things that we try to teach people in the group, uh, along with, you know, ways to earn compound interest, which is, you know, great and other stuff. But I am a crypto believer. Uh, it's funny because some of the people that I meet that you would never think are into crypto, they know that I'm into crypto now. So they, they start talking about it with me and I'm like, oh, I love it. Like, it's so fun. Oh, it's fascinating, man. And I know you're not a financial advisor, but I just want to ask you one, one, one more thing. In your, in your personal opinion, um, Shiba Coin and Dogecoin, are those going to be profitable or you think it's a fad that's going to go away very soon? So something that's more, and I've been saying this, you know, I was one of the first people to push Dogecoin. Mm-hmm. Like Robin Hood and Benzinga actually did an article with featuring me and Elon Musk talking about Dogecoin. Nice. Uh, and I made a lot of, I, listen, I called out Dogecoin back in December, January. And I made a lot of people a lot of money. I literally had people DMing me saying, hey, man, I want to send you some money, man. Like, I'm going to give you <laughs> I, I don't want your money. Donate it to charity. If you want, buy some of my sauces, taste, buy some of my taste sauces, buy some coaching. I don't care what you do with it, uh, but I don't want – I did not put it up to get – like, you. I, I guess there were literally influencers pushing Dogecoin, asking people to donate to their OnlyFans or to their – cash apps because they gave them a good tip i was like how fucking stupid is that like what the fuck is wrong with you but um what's important about cryptocurrency is especially from a retail perspective is branding branding is always going to be more important at the beginning than use case and and proof of work so something like dogecoin or shipcoin Although uh, Shiba, it, actually, the tokenomics are better for SHIB. SHIB is actually a better project than Doge. But they're speculative assets, meaning they only can hold value, right? The value is only determined on the market cap, what's inside it, the number of holders, you know, that whole line. There's more that goes into it. Um, but there is no real work where there's no, like, it's not going to have a utility. It doesn't solve a problem. So in that perspective, it's like, is it really going to be better than like Bitcoin, which is a large, you know, speculative asset? No, probably not. But it has branding. You have a ton of people on social media that got behind Dogecoin and pushed it to where it was, especially after the whole GameStop thing, right? After the whole GameStop and AMC thing, you stay like, oh, well, hey, if these big whales can continue to, you know, take our money from us and run the stock markets and manipulate mm-hmm. things. Let's do it with Dogecoin. Let's do it with you know Shiba, and that's kind of what happened. As people started to come from stocks into crypto, and then they started to see all the branding and the hype behind Dogecoin. Nobody ever thought it would do what it did. It got up to what 60, 70 cents or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit different now. The bottom line is, if, if Elon Musk puts his name behind something, there's probably a good chance it's going to stay around, right? People got very upset after the SNL. You know, there was so much hype about SNL. People were like, oh, this is going to go through to the moon now. <laughs> and then I, and then I kind of dip right after it. Listen, again, man, it's ridiculous for people who get upset about that kind of stuff. Right. What you're doing is a risk in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't say anything wrong. The guy's done nothing but make people money by pushing this crypto, right? Mm-hmm. People need to do their homework. Listen, this is th- I like Dogecoin and I don't like it. I'll tell you why. I like it because it's introducing people to crypto. And I would love for people to be, to hold a little bit of Dogecoin if you want. Um, but don't, I never tell people, don't put more than three, five, seven percent of your portfolio into a Hail Mary meme coin like that, right? Mm-hmm. Put your money in the assets that have proof of work, that are good, you know, good coins to hold that have a great future, like the V-Chains, the Cardanos, the Zillicas, the Harmonies, 
you know, the, the, the Matic, the, the graph, the chain link, like these are products, you know, XRP, excellent, two of my favorite. These are things that solve real world problems. Um, whereas Dogecoin, as soon as it fades away, and who knows how long it's gonna, it's gonna hang around if they're gonna keep pushing it. I mean, SHIB is another great coin that has followed the path of the Dogecoin. You see all these meme coins that are literally taking the blueprint from Doge and blowing up. And they're making people a ton of money, a ton of money. So again, I like it because it introduces people to crypto, brings people into the market. They learn. But what I don't like about it is it's still a speculative asset where the right. only thing that makes the money is if people are putting money in. Um, so for a lot of people, they're going to like people that always buy that green candle and they buy it going up. You know, when it got up to 60, 70 cents, then all of a sudden it drops down to 40 cents. And they're like, oh my God, I lost all this money. <laughs> Their first impression of crypto is going to be it's bullshit. It's yeah, exactly. And in all honesty, when I first started posting about this, this group that I have, this Daily Gains, the amount of people that reached out were like, oh, crypto's a scam. You're a scam. You're scamming people. I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? You literally have a market that went from $150 billion last year to today. I mean, but March, February last year was like $150 billion, something like that. It's crazy. Today, it's $2.4, $2.5 you're, you're looking at a hundred to one hundred fifty trillion dollar market cap by 2026, 2025, 2026. If it replaces any percentage of the derivatives market or the you know the Nostravosa around the world or any of the money sitting in banks, like holy shit! Like you're talking hundreds and hundreds of trillions going up into the quadrillions at some point. So mm -hmm. if you think that this is going away or that there's no future in this. Again, you're probably one of those people that talk shit about it, but behind scenes, you know, you talk the book and then behind scenes, you're buying it up because I mean, that what's, what, what do people do with media, right? Uh, they try to scare you, right? They're the media. Look at what's going on with the pandemic. Same thing. Just see about crypto. People are telling people, you know, crypto is bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Those are the same motherfuckers that are going on buying tons of this shit up. And uh, just to, to rate, you know, to fuck over the retail investor, they don't want retail investors to get rich or to have this type of power. And that's why I love crypto. It's decentralized. I love DeFi projects. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan, man. I'm a fan. That's awesome, man. I'm going to check out, I'm gonna check out that, that group, man. I want to learn from you, man. You, know, so you, you, you can learn a little bit from me, but the guys in there, the guys that have been running it, uh, you know, I've, I've made significant gains over the past six months, like very, very significant gains, um, which I post a little bit about just to prove to people that I'm very mm -hmm. highly invested. Um, and these guys, I thank every single day. You know, I've, I've, I've literally, they've done so much for me and helped me create some good wealth that I can do some good things for my family with through crypto and kind of steered me in the right path. So they, they run the group. They're in there 14, 16 hours a day helping people one-on-one. -on -one. They're awesome, awesome guys. And, um, you know, I've taken some of the knowledge that I've gained from them and passed it on to people. I have friends that text me every single day, you know, hey, man, I can't, I've never had this much money before. And they're just like, thank you. You know, I had a awesome. buddy of mine just bought a brand new car the other day with what he's made. I had one buddy of mine that came in the group. He put $250 in ship. We told him to put in, we told everybody in the group to put money in ship two months ago. He put 250 bucks in. He sold the other day at $82,000. That's amazing. That's amazing. So people want to get mad. People want to get upset. And, and like I said, they were on my page saying things like it's a scam. It's bullshit. Listen, man, you can get upset all you want. People are making fucking money and they're, they're loving it and they're having fun. 
and the, a bubble might pop. You know, what do you do? You know, if it does, guess what? I'm going to hold everything. I'm just going to wait because I know the future. I know the partnerships that these companies are making that these yeah. assets have, and I know where the market's going. Um, that's awesome, man. Definitely. Um, <laughs> uh, last thing I want to ask you, I want to get your thoughts on Olympia um, 2020. And also want to ask you a little bit about the new school of bodybuilders. But how did you feel about Rami winning? Loved it. And, and how do you feel, what do you think it means for bodybuilding? Where is going to go in the future, direction of Olympia and so on and so forth? I, I mean, first off, Rami has become such a household name in bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. And to see him, I mean, how about the courage it takes for that guy to do what he did. How about the dedication? That guy year after year came back trying to get better and better and better. And I, I thought he rightfully won. Um, I loved his physique. I love what he did. And I love how, I mean, you're seeing so many great bodybuilders come out of the Middle East, right? And I love that. And if anybody thinks that bodybuilding is an American sport, it should be like, you're out of your, you're out of your damn mind. One of the greatest, the greatest bodybuilders of all time, Arnold wasn't born here. So, uh, get that off your out of your mind right away, right? If American bodybuilders want to take the sport back, start putting the work in, right? You see a lot of American bodybuilders go over the Middle East. The fact of the matter is you're seeing a lot of great guys, uh, hottie, and you're seeing great bodybuilders come out of the Middle East, which I love. It's opening up the sport. It's opening up the fan base. Um, you know, I, I think it's great for race relations. I think it's great for the sport. I think it's great for people in general. The one thing I always preach and something, you know, that I, what pissed me off most about the pandemic was they shut down gyms. What's the one place you can go where nobody gives a flying fuck about what color your skin is or who you voted for, or what you do, that they only care about what you do in that gym is the gym, right? Like I tell people the first gym I ever walked into when I was 17, 18 years old, powerhouse gym on Elston Lawrence, Chicago, tough neighborhood, tough neighborhood bunch of hardcore Polish and black and Mexican and Puerto Rican and Asian. Like you walked in that gym. I was probably one of the only white people there. And within a week, I was with one of their brothers until today. I go home, I go back to the gym. I see the guys I trained with 15, 16, 17 years ago. And we're still like family, man. But there's one place that you can feel safe where your skin color does not mean a damn thing or where you're from or what God you believe in or who you voted for. If you're a Trump guy or you're a Biden guy or you're an anti vet nobody gives a fuck about that. It does not matter in the gym. The gym is all about your respect that you give the sport, that you give the people around you. It's a brother sisterhood. It's about how hard you're going to work. That's what gives you, you know, it, that's what's going to put you in the gym and put you amongst those other people. So I loved it, man. I love that he won. I thought he had a phenomenal physique, like I said. I love that this sport is starting to open up to other parts of the world like it hasn't before. Um, and I think it's a challenge. I think it's, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a little bit of a challenge for some of the American bodybuilders and some of the other you know, places around the world to say, hey, man, step it up because the Middle East is kicking your ass right now. <laughs> They're, I mean, guys coming out of that oxygen gym and guys coming you know, from over there, they are – I mean, their physiques are unbelievable. Yeah. They like they live this sport. Like I remember when when uh, I mean Brandon Kerr, when Brandon went over there and trained before he came Mr. Olympia. I mean, yeah. his lifestyle was gym eat, gym eat, gym mm -hmm. eat, and that's how it used to be here in the seventies. If you remember, like back in the early days of like Venice Golds and stuff, and like those guys, they they would go go to the to Venice eight nine o'clock in the morning, train for a few hours, eat, hang around Golds. And they go right back to work and train a second time, go home, eat, do the same thing again the next day. So maybe, uh, maybe some of these, you know, guys that want to take that title and that, you know, name bag should get off social media 
stop worrying so much about the BS and get back to work. So, are you seeing any like a rising star? Because I know you have a good eye for this, a talent, right? Are you seeing a rising star? Um, like these guys, like Hunter Labrada, Nick Walker, Blessing. Are you seeing a rising star that's gonna that's you know in the next few years can take the throne? That's a pretty funny question. I was, it was funny, you know. I I reached out to Seabum, uh, to Bumstead. Probably mm -hmm. I have a message too, and I, I just kind of text. I sent him a message not too long ago after he won again. Uh, but I, I remember seeing his physique five six years ago. Uh, I was like 2016, I think. 2015, 2016. I sent him a DM. I was like, hey man, you know, he didn't know. I mean, he he probably he knew of me because of social media because at that time we were doing some big things, but. Yo, man, like your your physique is impressed. Wow, you're gonna do some great things. Um, and it's all because I tell you what, when I was first training goals when I was 24 years old, Jay Cutler, and I'll tell you this story too. Jay Cutler came up to me out of nowhere, tapped me on the shoulder, and I turned around and he was like, Hey kid, you look great, you want to do an interview? I was just like, uh, Jay Cutler. <laughs> I'm like, what? And till this, like that was something that really inspired me. And he and he told me, he said, Kid, you're gonna do some great things in the sport. Um, and he, you know, and he always gave me great motivation, talked always very positive about me. Uh, and he's one of the people I, I'm very thankful for. Um, I think Nick Walker is great. Uh, he's competing this weekend. I believe New York, New York pro is this yeah. weekend. Competing. It's not in New York though. I think it's in Florida, but it's New York uh, pro. Yeah, yeah. Okay, funny. Like, USA's are in Vegas. The Olympia's not in Vegas. New York pro's not in New York. Can we get back to normal? This is getting ridiculous. Anyways, um, Hunter Labrada, amazing physique. Uh, blessing. I mean, that kid, I think he's great for the sport. He's very, how do I say this? Uh, a lot of personality, yeah. right? He brings a lot of character to the stage. He's not quiet. And I love that. I love there was a little bit of beef between him and Nick. I saw, I, I didn't get too involved into it, but I like that. It's good for the sport. It creates, you know, some, like, you know, like, everybody's always going to talk about Phil and Kai. Like, when Phil and Kai had beef and they got on stage next to each other, that was probably the most. Oh, yeah. Olympia finals ever, right? Now, there's one thing about being disrespectful. I'm not saying get disrespectful. Like, you can talk a little bit. You can chirp a little bit and, you know, have some confidence. Arnold did the same thing. Uh, but you have to keep it respectful. You can't, you know, there's lines you don't cross, levels of respect you don't cross. What about Logan Paul and Mayweather? I don't mean to interrupt you. What do you think about Logan Paul and Mayweather promotional tactics? Uh, so... Listen, I, I think Jake and Logan Paul are very intelligent. I think people don't give them enough credit for what they're doing because they are making money and they are doing so by branding themselves to where all eyes are on them. So in mm -hmm. that sense, I think they're very intelligent. Um, I think Jake Paul is has potential to become a great fighter. I think even, even Joe Rogan said that he can throw a punch. I've watched him fight. Like I think if, if, if I was Jake Paul and I didn't obviously have the social media responsibility I have, I would take a few years, train with a pro trainer, and take some amateur fights and really prove myself. I think he has capability of being a good fighter. Um, what I don't like is what this is doing to the sport of boxing. Now, there's 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 good and the bad, right? What upsets me is you got guys out there that have been in the gym for 10, 15, 20 years, broke as hell, living on a dream that would kill to have a fight that would catapult them to a place that deserve it. They've earned it. They've paid their dues. They've earned their stripes. And they get passed up for a YouTuber fighting Floyd Mayweather. First off, Floyd Mayweather is going to destroy. It's, it's not even a fight, right? It's, there, there's no way they're telling Floyd, hey, go out there and beat the shit out of me. It's got to be a, there's got to be something in, right? Um, 
there has to be some clause or something behind scenes like, hey, he'll let you go a few rounds. Floyd Mayweather is, if not the greatest, one of the greatest boxers of all time. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, it's what? So it upsets me in that sense that, um, like I said, there's guys getting passed up that deserve it. The fans deserve to see some of these young these young guys come up so they can become, you know, loyal to them as fans and earn respect for new fighters and stuff like that. So I, it, it upsets me in that sense. But a lot of people are saying that they like it because it's bringing new eyes to the sport. Uh, it's bringing new fan base to the sport of boxing. Um, if that's true, I don't know. I'd have to look at the numbers to see if that's true because the people that are going to tune in to watch Jake Paul, Logan Paul, are they also going to tune in to watch the other fights and the other fighters and give them the respect? Well, probably not. They're probably not tuning in. And and But you know what? The question, the real question is, I agree with you. Uh, this type of fight, it hurts a regular dedicated boxer and his chance at pay-per-view event. But the question is, who's responsible for this? Is it us, the audience, who's going to go on May and June and order this pay-per-view and th- therefore drive the sales? Or is it the promoters who make it possible? I'll tell you right now, I'm not buying shit. If, if a friend has it on, I might look at highlights on ESPN after or watch. But I'm not buying this fight. There's no way. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to knock the Paul brothers. Like I said, what they're doing from a business perspective is genius, right? They're making, they're keeping their name in people's mouths. And they're doing it through a way of whether they're the good guy or the bad guy. And that's fine. I, I look at it like this. It's very, the situation is very uh, analogous to, or very metaphorical to bodybuilding. Right. One of the things that you saw with social media and bodybuilding is you had people coming into the sport of fitness that had never competed. They knew nothing about competing. They couldn't tell you, you know, who the t- last four Mr. Olympias were uh, or Miss Olympias or Bikini Miss Olympia or, uh, you know, some of the best male and female uh, athletes of their generation in this sport. They were, you know, you had people coming into the space that simply had large following. Um, you had a lot of females come into the space that had big fake butts and that got all the attention. And these people started to get the endorsements that the athletes that were actual accredited bodybuilders and competitors yeah. didn't get. And I remember, I'll tell you a story. I walked into Gold's Gym in 2013, I think it was. I walked into Gold's Gym with my team of shreds athletes. Uh, you know, all the new guys we had, I mean, it was still early. Mm-hmm. Walked into Gold's. Charles Glass came up to me and said hi to me because we were friends. And I said to everybody, I said, you guys know who that was? They're like, I said, every one of you motherfuckers go on the parking lot. Don't come back in this gym until you know who Charles Glass is. Do your research. Go fucking Google it. Do what you got to do. You do not belong in this gym if you don't know who Charles Glass is. Period. There is a difference between being a part of something and having the respect for the stage and the people that came before you. There's another. It's another thing when you come in and there's young men and women that come in today, especially men, and say, you know, fuck the stage. Uh, they have no respect for the people that came before them. They don't know who they are. Sure. Uh, and to me, that pisses me off. Because, like I said, there are legitimate people out there that have put in 20, 30 years, both male and female, that have, you know, put in the, the, you know, put in the, the time. They've earned their dues. And they're the ones that should be getting some of the endorsements and some of the money that, they deserve as opposed to some of these you know, big names on social media that don't know a fucking thing about, you know, outside of having some abs and some decent muscles or, you know, fake tits and a fake butt. And again, I'm not knocking them. It's not about that. It's about the fact that 
what I see in boxing with the Paul brothers and what I've seen in bodybuilding and fitness with, you know, the emergence of social media. Um, now, luckily there have been some fitness people that have gotten, you know, large social media funds because they've competed and, and there's, it's kind of a two way street, but like I said, if like, I, I don't compete anymore, I haven't competed in a number of years. I started on the stage, but I, you know, I respect the sport. And I know everything about it that I could know. Um, to the point where I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of bodybuilding. I respect the sport, the stage. Uh, I, I respect the greats. You know, you ask me who my favorite bodybuilders all the time, and I'll tell you, you know, Paris and Reeves and Arnold and, you know, Lee Priest and, you know, uh, Sergio and, 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 you know, the guy Zane. And, you know, I, I can tell you about those guys because to me, coming up wanting to emulate them was important as opposed to, you know, you, you go to some kid on social media today and you ask him, hey, man, who was Lou Ferrigno or, or who was, uh, you know, you know, who was Sergio Oliva or who was, you know, uh, who was Dave Drake? You know, they don't know because it, it's not important to them to know the history of the sport. It's just important them to have a large social media following, to have an impressive physique and to, uh, you know, try to try to get a paycheck. So. No, I agree with you, man. But I think ultimately, if if Logan Paul and, and Mayweather pay-per-view does amazing numbers, is going to this is going to continue to happen every year, basically. Well, and, if, gonna, and, if, and if the people don't like, if the pe- it's going to be a decline, then it's going to change probably. You know? but, I, I think you're, you're going to see you're going to see more and more of this coming. You're going to see people that are like, "Hey, why go and you know put the time in to become you know the the sweat and tears you know off off by myself when I can just have a big mouth on social media?" Bro, I listen. I equate all this to the whole bad baby syndrome, right? We literally, and I have nothing against that young woman. I'm not trying to knock her. But we literally made a woman, a girl, a young girl famous for being disrespectful to her mother on live television. That is what catapulted her to where she is today. My mother beat my ass on live television, you know, for that. So, I guess that's kind of the, that's the generation that we're in, man, is, you know, it's like, so I guess I always say social media is a very powerful tool, good and bad. And uh, again, man, nothing against the bad baby girl. She's taken it and run and made a career, made millions of dollars. She what broke the OnlyFans record for most money made in one day, her first day of being 18 years old. To me, that's a problem. What is that saying to young women? We're not telling young women to be powered through their brain, their mind, their character, their heart. We're saying, hey, if you want to make money or become popular, and this goes back to that whole self-worth thing, self-esteem thing, you need to have an ass that you can show off on social media, make a TikTok video, which I fucking cannot stand TikTok. Uh, <laughs> you know, make a TikTok video singing dirty words to a song about sucking dick and fucking this and doing that and blah, all that shit. Like how, like where are your parents at? Like I said, that's ridiculous to me. Yeah. But these girls, this is what becoming a successful female has become, right? Mm-hmm. Girls like Bad Baby and Cardi B and these people that are getting pushed to the forefront. It's like, Man, I, it, to me, it's very sad to see because not every girl is going to get that, right? And those girls that aren't going to make it and are not going to get the likes or get the body they think they can get or get, you know, uh, the followers, like, just think about what that's going to do to them and their self-esteem and their self-worth, right? And you're going to see so, you're going to see so many issues when, in, in all reality, we should be pushing men and women to become good people, good people, like having a good heart having a good work ethic, right? Like working towards something that isn't just physical. Everything is so physical today. Everything is so topical. It's so lacking substance. 
and it's it's a very dangerous downslope in my in uh, in my eyes. And I see it, man. Like I said, I work with a lot of people on social media. I see what people go through. I see the truth, man. And you know what? I tell people all the time. You know, all these men and women that you follow on social media that you think are living this great life, I know them personally. And I see how unhappy they are, and I see the bullshit they go through. Right. So if you think that likes and follows and uh, you know all that fancy bullshit, which is all fucking fake as it is, if you think that's going to make you happy, it's not. Right? You need to love yourself. You need to know that you're worth something more than just the physical. Whether it's you know being it, like I said. Something that really helped me through what I went through is I, like I know I have a good heart and I know I'm a good person and I'm very proud of that. And it's still my responsibility to utilize that to help people and to better other people. And I just can't give up on that. Like that's that's the God intended for me to do is is, is to is to make people happy in, in that way and to give back in that way. And I'm going to continue to do that. Absolutely, man. Joey, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for uh, a little, little, couple of cramps. Listen, man, I appreciate you, bro. You, just let me say this. You, you know, you guys over generation iron have always been very, very good to me and, and, and great people. I and mean, you were, you know, when I did go through everything, you, know, you were very supportive and you reached out. And I, I, and I know that was very genuine and I appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, I love to see you guys, you know, becoming successful. Uh, I always, as you know, through recent conversations, I always talk so well about you guys. And I'm Thank you. always excited to see you guys doing, uh, you know, new things and big projects. And like I said, man, I'm, I'm that type of guy. I like to see good people do great things and have success. And you guys are doing some great things. And I look forward to everything you guys do. And, um, you know, I look forward to the next time we can do an interview. You know, hopefully still on a good path. Of and uh, hopefully, you know, uh, I will be on the East Coast here very shortly. Um, I'll be living there part time, you know, for a couple nice. months, which we can talk about later. Um, yeah. That are going to be based out of the New York area, so I'll be back there nice. and on the West Coast. And I miss that city, man. I miss New York City so much, bro. As soon as you know the dates, let me know. We're definitely going to link up. We'll have some food. We'll hang out. Damn. And um, like I said, thank you, man. God bless, man. I hope your family as well. Everybody at Generation Iron, uh, thank you, me, and, and uh, appreciate you having me out, brother. Thank you for the kind words, bro. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. All right, brother. Take care, bro. Bye. Visit GenerationIron.com for even more GI exclusive content on all things bodybuilding, fitness, combat, and strength sports. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are downloaded.